Hey, this is Jason Martinez of the Philadelphia Flyers, and you're listening to Face Off with Chris on the Enterprise Sports Network. Chris, I am your host, Chrissy Francesco, and we have a good one for you today, boys and girls. Uh, For those who wanted to hear about the Philadelphia Phillies and hear a little bit more about baseball, um, I come bearing a gift. Philly voice writer and the host of the Working the Beat podcast, Kevin Cooney, joins me this week. Um, And as you listen to this, I'm recording uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Kevin and I spoke on Monday, and man, it was a nightmare getting this conversation done because for those of you who live in the South Jersey, Philadelphia area, you know we had a horrendous thunderstorm all day Monday. So to kind of break this down for you real quick to make a huge long story short, uh, the first time we hit the record button, we got through maybe five minutes, got a little bit of introductions on, maybe my first question came out, boom, power goes out. Take two. We get about 15 minutes in, everything's going good, still pouring outside, but, you know, everything's going a little bit smoother. Uh, Boom, my power goes out again. But unfortunately, this rain delay lasted over seven hours where um, my family and I had no power for um, almost, I think, seven and a half hours. It was pretty rough. Um, But luckily, Kevin had some time in the evening, and we were finally able to knock this out for you all. Uh, Kevin and I had a, a great conversation. Kevin's been coming on my shows for such a long time. Him and I go way back. And Kevin was, again, uh, when I was covering the Phillies for a couple years, especially during the World Series run, um, in the press box, Kevin was always a, a really good mentor of mine and always answered my questions. He and Todd Zalecki were always really good friends um, in terms of helping me out, get my feet wet in, in the business, in terms of, you know, it's, it's a different atmosphere I guess you could say when it comes to covering the NHL every day and then going across the street and covering baseball so it's two different sports two different ways to to be a professional how to act um one one game is a little bit more strict the other one's a little bit more looser um baseball was a little bit more of a loosey-goosey attitude especially in the press box where hockey sometimes with the Flyers a little bit more serious depending on, on on who you associated with um so you know guys like Todd Zalecki and Kevin Cooney were really big helps for me um getting my feet wet in the business uh so we talk about a lot of things about the Phillies coming out of this pandemic Uh, kicking off their 60-game season at the end of the month here. Um, What players might stay home? What players are coming back? Um, What Will baseball have a start and stop? It all depends on on what's going on here. Um, It's a a rapidly ever-changing, you know, America with each day uh, with this pandemic. It has completely, you know, altered our our way of life over the last few months, and I'm sure beyond. Uh, We discuss how the Phillies will fare, you know, how their lineup stacks up against everybody else in a 60-game season, um, how their their pitching staff matches up, their, their already rough bullpen, um, how that's going to go. And then we're going to discuss things about, you know, why is baseball having such a hard time keeping its fan base? Um, are there two games? The designated hitter in both leagues is not going to help. Um, too many teams. Uh, so we break down a ton of stuff in baseball. It's an over-hour-long conversation uh, Kevin and I have, and we touch upon a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, will D.D. Gregorius sign another one-year deal? 
uh, with the Phillies after this little bit of a short stint here. Uh, will the Phillies finally get a deal done with JT Real Muto? What's the future look like for a guy like Reese Hoskins? Uh, so yeah, we, we touch on on everything. Uh, and I, I was really excited. I was really proud of this conversation to bring to you guys as Kevin as you guys probably know, is a great talker. He knows his stuff. Um, been in the business a long time. Um, just a great overall conversation that we had. Um, I'm sure Kevin will join us throughout the baseball season. Um, and then we talk a little bit about the Sixers and, and where, how, how you know, they're going to fare once, you know, the NBA comes back. You know, what can we expect from a guy like Embiid? And, you know, if Ben Simmons is ready to go, what can the Phillies get from there? Uh, so yeah, we, we talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, I, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Again, he's he's a writer for Philly Voice. You can find him also on the Working the Beat podcast. You can find that on you know Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you guys listen to podcasts. He and Mike Kern um, do a phenomenal job. Uh, they get great guests. Um, you know, I think he's got Mike Missinelli coming up this week as well. Amy Fadul, I believe that podcast is up now as you're listening to this show. So definitely go check him out. Give them all the support that they deserve. Um, so I'm going to get you guys to this interview. And then on the other side, on the outro of this podcast, I have massive news on uh, next week's huge guest that we got coming on here um, on Face Off with Chris. Uh, Jay will also be back with us uh, next week. Or, I mean, it'll be his first show with with me uh, next week, this pandemic. And kind of like the scheduling I have with guests has really kind of uh, altered when Jay will be on this show. But I promise you, you will hear Jay uh, with me, and then that'll be more of a consistent thing. Um, and then again, on, on the other side, on the outro, you will hear about the two podcasts, a new podcast uh, hosted uh, by my longtime friend Dean Holdzapple and his friend George Rogers that are coming to the Enterprise Sports Network, which is the platform um, that helps us do this show each and every week. Um, so I'll let you guys know that on the other side. Uh, very excited to bring you this interview, this conversation with Kevin Cooney over an hour long, you know, settle in, grab yourself a, a white claw or a beer, maybe a glass of wine and heck, you know, maybe some, some water all right, or Kevin, a after energy a drink, nice chill out because we, we all don't have anything else better to do on my end, um, and am, check I out think we are uh, good some good for the baseball rest of the talk. Night. Uh, um, how you doing, So man? I will catch you guys it, You know, six uh, hours is nothing so in enjoy. a rain delay. I, I Cooney, live Philly through one in Washington that was about seven. of the Working the Beat podcast. Um, yeah, old RFK, which made it worse. So, oh man, if that was like, what was the longest one you made have been uh, at, like at Citizen Bank Park? <sighs> wow. Um, well, obviously about forty-eight hours with uh, oh, World Series five. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was one night we started. I want to say around well, the one World Series game, Game Three. We started mm-hmm. at. I want to say 11.30, so three and a half hours That's a long on a Saturday one. night. That was the Moyer game. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I mean, there's others. I'm sure if I went through my scorebooks, I could probably find some. Mm-hmm. At that point, deadline was blown, so I really didn't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, so and, and I was rooting for the days where you used to have alcohol in the press box. So, What year did that stop? When they moved from – the vet to the CBP. Oh, okay. uh, I, I, I'll never forget. There was a, um, there was a guy who's a hall of famer, so I'm not going to, you know, everybody can figure it out. Um, who we covered a Sunday night game and he brought down about three beers from the back room 
plopped them right down next to him and uh, got to work on his craft. So it was a it was an entertaining uh, in, evening at that point. Uh, watching him, uh, you know, a little sip, a couple paragraphs, a little sip. You know. Oh, it was good. I'm, I'm sure you have some great stories that I would talk to you about off air. <laughs> so. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There, there's some that are classics. Oh, that's great. All right. So speaking of baseball, which is what we'll talk a lot about, um, you were very, you've been very open on Twitter the last few months about how you never thought this season was going to get underway. Um, obviously, it, it looks like, you know, the 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 players and the owners couldn't come to an agreement of you know over 80 games um you know even not even 70 games so um the commissioner had to do you know what they agreed to in march which was come up with that 60 game mandate no extended playoffs um but over the last 48 hours 24 48 hours a lot of you know big time names have come out and said look we're i'm not doing this um i'm sure there's more to come uh, uh, the, the big grand schedule release just happened hours ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Where are you now on, on Major League Baseball returning? Is there still a good chance that this just doesn't happen? I, I, you know, it's funny. I've been reading some columns from uh, some of my colleagues and my former colleagues, and, and they're kind of more in line with where I've been about it. And, I, you know, it's funny. There's people who say, boy, Cooney, you're really too negative on this. It's not that I don't want it to happen. I love the sport, um, but there's a reality here. And, and, you know, the biggest news of the day isn't uh, Nick Marquinkas backing out or, you know, Felix Hernandez backing out or David Price or all that. The idea that Major League Baseball couldn't get their testing together and, and that three teams had to cancel workouts less than two and a half weeks before opening day, um, that's a big story. And that is a um, – it shows – look, and there were going to be some hiccups in this. I get it. But if a player has some concerns about what's going on here, nothing that baseball did over this weekend helped it. No. With the no. idea that some people said they haven't been tested between Sunday and Friday, uh, that you know teams sent tests in on Friday and they didn't get their results back as of Monday morning. Um, you know, and obviously this, this, this lab in Utah has been overwhelmed a little bit and they blamed it on, uh, you know, the 4th of July holiday, which apparently snuck up on them. Um, I, 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 Chris, it's just thread a needle right now for them. They will have to toss the perfect game to get to October. They really would. Um, when you consider the amount of states that have spiking uh, number of cases, um, when you consider the level of the player like Freddie Freeman coming down sick, they can't really afford another one of them. Um, you know, when you consider how teams are, are affected, you know, the Phillies had seven. Now it's down to five uh, guys who were not reporting because of protocols and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's a sign that there's – you know, we're not even into the traveling portion of this where this could get worse. Right. Um, I, I'm still pretty pessimistic. I would love to be wrong on it, but I'm still pretty pessimistic whether we're going to be able to pull this off. You're right. And, you know, it, it bothered me when I, I read all the criticism that you received on, on social media as if, you know, you didn't spend, you know, your entire life loving baseball and covering the sport for so long. Um, 
you know, the last thing you want is to not have baseball, but you got to be, you know, there's nothing wrong with being realistic about things. Well, there's also, there, there's a couple of things. One, you, you know, the, the, the mechanisms that go along with the sport. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two, anybody who thinks I'm enjoying this is, is crazy. I have friends who, you know, I'm not as involved in it as I used to be, but there, I have friends who still depend on the sport for jobs, PR people and, 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 and writers and yeah. broadcasters and all that. I mean, um, you know, there are a lot of people in that, that front office, you know, ticket agents and other executives who, who, if they don't play a season are not going to have a job. Right. And I take no delight in that, but I'm afraid of where this is going. And, and I really am. And, and look, it, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It's through no fault right now. It's not like it was with the labor negotiations where you could say greed and greed and greed. Now, th- this is probably the amount of game, given the spikes and everything that has worked out, this is probably the number of games we are going to be at anyway. Right. That's why. Um, and <sighs> this is the number of games we were going to be at. And if it doesn't happen, it's not necessarily a fault of anybody within baseball. It just is one of those years where you kind of chalk it up and say, when's 21 show up, you know? And, and you know, the other thing, Chris, I, I've said Trout is the canary in the coal mine. That if Trout backs out, then the floodgates open. And the reason I say that is because I think there's a lot of concern among some players of, you know, what are we doing this for? Um, a 60-game season? A sport that's not built for that type of of, of structure. Um, a champion's going to be hollowed. I mean, right now, I think I think there's some players who are thinking that the one reasonable, well, there's two reasonable arguments to play. One for the morale of the country, mm-hmm. and two to stock up as much money as you can, thinking there's going to be a labor war in 2022. That's about yeah. it. Now, I agree. I think you brought up an interesting name there. If the golden goose decides to back out that then that's probably, you know, it's a follow the leader thing. There's gotta be a trickle down effect. If Mike Trout comes out and goes, you know what? I'm out. That has to be a trickle down effect of that. And and it's not even like, Oh, Mike Trout's on and nobody watched TV. No, it's not that it's Mike Trout backs out other guys, Bryce Harper. Uh, You know, there are other guys who will, more closely examine their position. You know, if you hear Buster Posey and Trout and guys who are respected across clubhouses, across the, you know, uh, across the sport, mm-hmm. if they back out, I, I, I honestly believe there's a whole different reexamination because I think players went into this week going, okay, let's see what it's like. Let's see how the structure is. Let's see if we feel comfortable. Let's all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's a more vocal this doesn't quite feel right, you know, from a Sean Doolittle and from Posey and all that, uh, even Chris Bryant today hinting at it, then I would have expected. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, hypothetically, I guess, as of right now, there's going to be a baseball season at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, where, how do you think the Phillies favor or fair in a, in a 60-game season? Uh, it was, you know, it was funny. I was looking at that tonight, you know, as the schedule comes out, I'm like, wow, you got four with the Yankees in the first week. Right off the bat. Right off the bat, including their opening night. Not that it'll matter because there won't be a 
person in Yankee Stadium that's not, you know, an employee of somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the holes they had, you know, it was funny when I was in, I was in Clearwater at the beginning of March, about a week before this all shut down. And I remember looking and thinking, yeah, they got some pieces, but boy, that pitching's awful. Like their their lineup could be really good. Really good. Yeah, I agree. Really good. Now, over 162, if your pitching's awful, it gets exposed. Mm-hmm. If you have Nola and Wheeler, and if Arietta gives you something, you know, in a 60 game season, you're probably talking 35 wins mm-hmm. if those three give you what you think. And the lineup can probably bop its way in, uh, in in a sense of their lineup will be good enough when you get it, it with starters not going more than five innings, presumably in a lot of cases, they will wear bullpens down. Um, and especially now that you don't have the pitcher spot because of the DH in the national league, but the bullpen for the Phillies is bad and you don't have Dominguez and, you know, I still have my questions about Neris. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, are you going to tell me that, you know, who's going to be the middle guys? Because they're going to be huge. Are you going to have Pavetta and Velasquez, one of them in the middle with Suarez eventually when he comes back? Um, there's too many things to think they can actually make a playoff run right now. But it's one of those things I don't rule it out either because you don't know what the Braves are right now. You don't know. You don't know if Freeman's coming back. You don't know. Obviously, Marquez has opted out. Uh, they don't have Felix at the back end of the rotation. Um, not that he's the Felix of six years ago, but he's still pretty good. Um, you know, they can hang around. It's no Syndergaard, obviously, for the Mets, and you know, Washington has its own issues. So, I, who knows? It's crapshoot. Uh, one thing I would pretty confidently say say that if the format doesn't get expanded you are not getting a wild card out of the national league east i agree i would agree with you on that yes uh because you know look at the central they're all kind of the same but they also can go beat up on the american league central Mm -hmm. um you know and the tigers and the you know royals and uh the West, you know, San Diego may be better, um, you know, and again, you're going to be able to beat up on Texas and in the interleague, you'll be able to San Francisco is going to be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a Phillies fan, you better be gunning for the division because if you don't, I, I don't think you get in. No, I agree. And they even have a tough way to end this season. I think they have Washington and they go all the way down to Tampa. Yeah, uh, to close out this. If you're season. on the road the final week, right? So, and that's not that good. I mean, the, the the Phillies aren't historically wonderful against Washington, and the AL East, I think, has beaten up the Phillies for years. So, I mean, yeah, they, they've been awful in interleague, and now it's thirty three percent of your schedule. Right. So, it's just like you said, it's such a crapshoot because you have four in the first week against the Yankees. Let's just say you win maybe two, uh, three of your first six games. You're all, you're, you know, you're nine, ten games into the season already, and you're already behind. Chris, they were eight and t- they were eight and ten last year against the Marlins, and the Marlins I, I were not awful. I know the Marlins are the ones who probably got Gabe Kapler fired. If you think about it, I didn't think about that. Wow. So, 
so yeah, I mean, they're again, their lineup is better. I think Gregorius will help. I think having McCutcheon for a full year is really going to help. Um, I, I worry about center field. I worry a little bit about third base, but I think you're going to see Boehm at some point. Um, Hope so. But their the rotation, their rotation is a big question mark, and their bullpen, I think, is an even better, bigger one. It's one that's kind of felt between the cracks here because everybody complains about three, four, five in the rotation. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you. And so I, I got like a little, little player association here, and I, I'm going to give you three names, and I kind of want your opinion on – um, one, if they're going to be a Philly in 2021, or you know, two, what the expectations are for these players. So my first one is Reese Hoskins. Hoskins, who I thought after a, a really tough last season, going into this year was a make or break. But now with this, I feel like it kind of gave him a whole extra year to prove himself. You know, it's funny. I was actually thinking about writing that for Philly Voice. I'm not sure there's make or break the years this year. Okay. Like we all we all thought about Matt Clintac as a make or break year. Hmm. Oh, how do you judge anybody on sixty games? That's, yeah, right. right. Uh, and the same holds true with Hoskins. I mean, the one thing this could do with Hoskins is you could, in theory, see him moved out of the first base spot into a DH spot if they decide they want to go that long term. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's important. Uh, he's getting near that arbitration age. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily classify it as make or break. I, I think you want to see with a different hitting approach um, that they obviously didn't have the last couple of years under John Malley, um, whether, you know, the, maybe the lack of focus on uh, launch angle and all that, maybe that helps Hoskins. I don't, I, he'll be here in 21 though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I meant, you know, in terms of a make or break year, if this was a one sixty two game, season, I will say he could end up in the Franco range of you start to believe that there's not what you thought there was. If he has, is it, if he has a bad sixty games, yeah, I agree. Sense. Okay, so my next two are the guys that people are talking about following this season, and that's Real Muto and Didi. So in a sixty game season, you know you're not for the Didi contract, you're not going to get the full value of that deal. Right. Um, so where do you see both of those guys? I guess, one, how do you expect them this season and going into 2021? Well, let's remember Gregorius has a relationship with Girardi from his days with the Yankees. Right. Uh, okay. And Girardi loves them. I think he's a good guy for their clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted this as a one-year make-or-break kind of deal. You know, like a, a – not a make or break, but a guy, uh, he could get a better because he missed most of the last or half of last season. Didn't play well the second half. I think he was looking at this as, okay, rebound year, and then, you know, I can go get a big contract. That's not going to develop as easily when you have the market will get the press because of the lack of revenue. Uh, it's only 60 games, so you're not really going to show that uh, same side. Um so could I see him back here in another one, two-year deal? Yeah, maybe for a little more money. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, they're going to have Arietta's contract coming off, so that'll help. Oh, God. Or, or, I know. <laughs> like, they do have to have a starting pitcher to replace him, though. Uh, Spencer yeah. Howard, I guess, in theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Real Muto, um, 
it's a little bit of the same dynamic. Um, I don't know how many teams, look, the, the, the talent is there, but how many teams are going to be in the market for a $125 million catcher? Right. Um, right. You know, when you don't have cash coming in, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, you know, could the Dodgers be interested? Perhaps. I don't know. Could the Yankees? Yeah, they could. But you're also talking about teams that are going to be looking to maybe shed some payroll. Um, what about a team like San Francisco? If they're in a long-term rebuild, I don't see Real Muto going there, though. Yeah. And remember, they still have some awful contracts. The Longoria contract is Oh, that's brutal. brutal. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, in theory, I think the Phillies are in a pretty good spot. I don't blame them for not setting the market right now mm-hmm. when you don't have to. I would have used different terminology if I was Matt Klintak, but then, you know, well, you know, the economics of the game has shifted. Don't, don't lay that out there. Don't create your pro- yourself a problem. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the player needs the Phillies. And the Phillies, because of what they gave up, really need the player. You can't give Sanchez and, and Alfaro away and two years later let this guy walk after you've made it. You've practically taken out billboards on 95 call, you know, with the hashtag BCIB. I mean, <laughs> as best catcher in baseball. Yep. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't do it. You, if you do it, that will just have such a negative repercussion on what the franchise has been trying to do over the last couple of years. I agree. And that, and that's also the last thing you kind of want to do right now is ruffle like Bryce Harper's feathers by letting go, you know, his best friend on the team, a guy that he's just insanely outspoken about. Oh, well, so, I mean, you're, you're also talking about a guy, you know, <laughs> Harper said in his zoom conference the other day that that, that wasn't a statement. Come on, that 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 All was right. a statement. Whether it was intended or not, him wearing that shirt for two straight days with cameras around, he, Bryce isn't a dummy. No, uh, he knows. And in the end, this is going to come down as all the financial matters do. It's going to come down to John Middleton, and John Middleton loves JT Romuto. He flew to Oklahoma to talk to him by, uh, last year about Kapler, and that's pretty good respect. Um, so I think he'll be back here, um, which compared to some other people on this team, I, I, I don't think is as certain, uh, about the return. Like I, I will worry about a McCutcheon. Mm. Um, that hurts me. Well, I know, <laughs> and I know like they don't have a now fielder in waiting, but if you're trying to cut cost. I could see, I could see McCutcheon. I think it's his last year of his deal next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that salary being moved that they can get some value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Segura, <laughs> they've tried, I think, and they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, there's some interesting dilemmas here, and it's going to be interesting to see how the manager handles all of it. So, uh, I agree. Very interesting. Um, so, 
moving forward, we're talking to Kevin Cooney of Philly Voice and Working the Beat podcast. Uh, speaking of your podcast, Kevin, you, uh, you had Kevin, um, Kevin, you had yourself. <laughs> you uh, had. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> you had Mike Sealski on it. Mike Sealski, um, a few weeks ago, um, wrote a, a great article on, for the Enquirer called I Don't Care If Baseball Ever Comes Back, The Game Has Been Boring for Years. And it kind of created a big stir on social media, a lot of conversations. Um, I know before you and I got cut off earlier, we were talking about that. And you asked my thoughts on it. And, I, and like I said, there was parts of it I agree with. And there was other parts where, you know, I just boil it down to, like you, I'm a baseball junkie. I, I just love the sport. Have since I, you know, geez, till I, you know, go into the vet with my dad growing up. Right. So I just love the game. I've played it my whole life. But, you know, I understand how it's just losing fans every single season. It's just like you, and like you said, the analytics, I think, is a really big problem. I think we've gone from not enough focus, you know, the analytics are great, but I think you can overkill everything. Yeah, you know, there, there's a political term that you can go too far left, too far right, and eventually everything's kind of settled in the middle. Baseball has to kind of get back to the middle. You, you're never going to discount the analytics. It's always going to be there. But you have to be able to manufacture excitement, and there's not enough excitement in the game. The ball's not put in play enough. Um, you know, everybody wants to launch homers. Uh, or take walks or, you know, and, and it just gets very, very tedious. And, and the, the, the problem, uh, the thing I fear is that the sport is going to do something that's gimmicky to, to try to fix it. And I, you know, I don't want as a fan, I don't want that. I like the sport. I think the sports coaching and methods have to be, tweaked not thrown completely out but tweaked i also think i I don't know about you i think one of the things that hurts the game is the way that it's packaged uh by by the sport um i i think that the the marketing end of it is awful Uh, you know the fact that mike trout is not a top 10 athlete in american conscious Mm -hmm. you know with all due respect to Sidney crosby and alex ovechkin the best player in me doing baseball should not be getting beat out by those two guys. I agree. Just not. Just not. Uh, you know, it's one thing that the NBA and the NFL, okay. If you're on the level and they're getting damn close to the NHL, that means you're mo- something is screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I even mentioned little things. Like, you know, we've, we've talked for years about playoff games ending too late and all that. The fact that you have one network who – literally takes his play-by-play announcer and Joe Buck and decides, okay, I have game five of the American League Championship Series and an NFL Thursday night mediocre Texans-Titans week six game. Mm -hmm. And I'm sending my play-by-play guy, my number one, my signature guy to that, and I'm putting a game five of an American League Championship Series tied 2-2 on FS1, and with all due respect to Joe Davis, who's the Dodger play-by-play guy, I'm really good. It says where the priorities for the sport are in the eyes of its broadcast partners. The fact that Sunday Night Baseball doesn't have the same reach that it used to. The fact that you have, you know, MLB Network is is not 
close to what it was when I first started as far as compelling television. Um, there's a lot of problems in that mechanism of the game that I think have to be addressed to help not artificial excitement, but to give it more of a, a, a root and gravitas than it has right now. Yeah. And I'm going to go into the weeds about this a little bit, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> so for, for me, I look at it this way. So I was early during this whole quarantine. I've, you know, obviously been home a lot longer than I could ever imagine. And um, I like watching old, like all-star games. Mm-hmm. So the couple weeks ago, I watched from start to finish the 1999 all-star game at Fenway. And my goodness, did it feel so big and so grandiose. It mm-hmm. was such, it was so, it felt like it was like the Super Bowl of baseball and it was just an all-star game. And the superstars, they were promoting everyone. Everybody was getting just great uh, promotion by broadcasters, highlight reels. And it just felt so special. And, you know, I, then I watched like another one from like, Oh five. Um, right. And I'm just thinking, Oh, it's just another baseball game that mm-hmm. there's just, that there's no grandiose. There's no, nothing spectacular. And I feel like within a six year period, the grandeur of, 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 a, of America's game, just, they just kind of gave up on it. And, and there's a couple other things in this too. Uh, and, and I agree with you. And one piece of play, you know, if you watch like the 1980 World Series um, that MLB had on back early in the pandemic, y- you had a game, a World Series game over in two hours and 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped the game along. I think the game has become overexposed. Um, compared to when we were growing up, okay, you had the Fox game, you had a couple ESPN games. Now, literally on your phone or or whatever, you can see any game any night, and that kind of okay. takes the specialness of that national game away. Does that's two, and and three, and, and I, I, I this was actually the point I was telling you earlier when we got cut off. Um, I think that the sport, the broadcasters are using too much of the analytics and for an average fan who's not into it, maybe as much as I was as a writer and having learned different numbers and everything, it's like baseball in a foreign language. Mm -hmm. Um, When you get in those spin rates and launch angles and, and, and warp and war and all that, and they don't understand it. And my comparison is it's like, you know, going to a steakhouse and just having the vegetables. You know, it, it really, it's like, okay, I, I want the meat. I, you know, people are used to, you know, steak and potatoes, which are mm-hmm. average home runs, RBIs, stolen bases. You want to throw in OBP? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting to get into OPS, that's when you start losing people. Yeah. And I think baseball, baseball's partners have tried to make it too much for the hardcore fan. And... It, again, hate to use a political term, it's playing to the base, okay? It's only playing to the base. It's not growing the base. And I think that's what's kind of happened here with all of this. Yeah, and, and it kind of goes back to how you said the promotion of, of the players, where if the 20th best NFL player walks into a grocery store, you know, not in the, the city he plays in, he's going to get recognized. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout could probably walk into a Los Angeles grocery store tomorrow might not get noticed by anybody. 
the most marketable person right now in baseball is Harper. I agreed, one hundred percent. And that's because Bryce Harper has made himself that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a look what baseball has done and created the Bryce Harper phenomenon. No, I think that is Bryce Harper is smart. He knows how to market himself uh, through his play, through his hair, through everything. Um, a little of the Vegas showmanship, if you will. Uh, they don't. They don't do a good job of it. They just don't. I mean, you know, the NBA. The NBA is the best at it. Yes, they are. And the NFL is pretty good. The NFL has its issues, but the NFL is pretty good with it. Uh, the fact that baseball is is falling so far behind is is baffling to me. And, it, and it's weird how the times have changed because if I, I'm I'm such a mark for Ken Griffey Jr. He's yeah. the reason that you know I even looked at sports and um, in you know in 1992. So when I look at a guy like Mike Trout, he is everything that Ken Griffey Jr. was. There's his his game was the flash, yeah. but yet. You now it's forward thirty years since Junior. You have Mike Trout, who's better than Ken. I would assume. At this How many point. times are the Angels on national television? That's again. I, you're right. That's the problem. And but why can't that change? Like it could be done in a snap of a finger. They can put the Angels on ESPN or anywhere. Fox. I, you know, look every game for, because it's not Dodgers, Giants, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals. That's what baseball has become. Phillies Max a little bit. I mean, you know, it, it's not – there are a lot of teams in the sport you don't see. Yeah. Um, fairly or not, like on a national stage. If you're a diehard White Sox fan, you can get access to every White Sox game or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say Jose Abreu if you're, if you're a casual fan of the sport. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see or, – or Beckham or um, – Anderson. Anderson, or I'm sorry, Timmy Anderson, not Timmy Beckham. It's okay. <laughs> um, but you, you know, you know, I, I dare people to to name five Seattle Mariners right now. You can't. You can't. The Toronto Blue Jays were damn good for a couple of years in there. Nobody saw them. No. And that's a, and and that's part of the issue. Like, and I'll, I'll throw this back on on another comparison. Okay, and this gets to the broadcast. Say what you want about the NHL. NBC and NBCSN treats that sport like gold. They they have good announcers. They put primetime spots. They 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 really sell the sport like it's a big three or big four sport. You know, baseball goes with Turner during the playoffs, who doesn't carry the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball goes with Fox, who puts the LCS on its cable outlet for the most part, except for maybe one game. Yeah, you can't have that. You just can't if you're a sport and want to grow, where people don't know where it is and they don't have a feel for what you want. So, so moving forward with with that, Kevin and. and- I even hate saying this because I hate kind of appeasing to, to that, that negative crowd. Do you think that there are too many teams, there's too many games with the, the ever-evolving fan, which, you know, which is what we're seeing every single day now, 
you know, one week you like this and next week you hate it. The, does baseball, is it time for baseball to go down to 140 games and maybe get rid of four teams? And like, oh, they're, ne- they're never going to get rid of four. They're never okay. going to get rid of teams. Um, the, the, the couple issues baseball has to solve immediately are Tampa and Oakland. Yeah. Uh, Oakland looks like they're trying to build their stadium. Um, but that's a small market and whether it's going to survive there, you know, you know, you don't have the Warriors in Oakland anymore. They're in San Francisco, uh, which sounds, well, it's only across a bridge. Now that's a big financial step. Yeah, the Raiders Oakland, are gone. Oakland was, yeah. And the Raiders are gone. Oakland was bare bones, dock workers city. Yeah. San Fran is international and money and it's now out of the price range of a lot of people in Oakland. Uh, the same obviously holds true with the Raiders. Is RDA's going to be able to survive in that market? I don't know. The Rays, uh, look, I love the St. Pete, Tampa area. It, it's time. I mean, you've had 20 years to get this right, and you haven't. Yeah. Um, and you have cities like Charlotte, and you have Montreal, and you have Portland, and Nashville, and Oklahoma City that can all maybe – I think it's more likely you will see two teams at it than you see any teams subtracted um, because they can even out 16-16 uh, in each league. They can go to 32 like the NFL has, like the NHL has, and make it work. I, 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 the other things I would do, I think the universal DH is here for good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, That's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah. Uh, Are you a fan of that? I like the strategy of the National League game because I grew up with it. Same. Uh, but it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, I'm not going to, like, you know, chain myself to the gates of CBP and go, no, you know. Um, no, no dirty 30s? No. Um, <laughs> I would say the – I would say the thing that may happen out of all this is – you will see interleague play go away hmm. or, or you will see radical realignment. Hmm. Um, you know, they were toying with it this year and obviously it's a special case this year and you've kind of seen it a little bit, but I could see an East West format um, kind of like you have in the NHL, the NBA and, and a little bit in the NFL mm-hmm. um, where you play the teams closest to you more often. Because it's a realization it's a regional sport at this point, which it is. Yeah, you're right. It's bigger in Boston, New York, and St. Louis, and Chicago than it is in Baltimore and Washington and and Florida. Oh, right. Um, that was great. See, when I go in the weeds, I'm happy there's somebody else that does too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going over to um, obviously with basketball is coming back. We were talking about basketball earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, this, that's an interesting one, the Sixers. Um, before this all ended, we didn't know what we were getting with the Sixers, you know, with Embiid, you know, Simmons was hurt. You didn't know what was going on with him. Now, you know, he's in the quote unquote greatest shape of his life. And so is Joel Embiid, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, what, what are your expectations? How anybody could be in the greatest shape of their life when they've been in a house for four months, pretty much. Yeah. yeah I, and, and I, I love anyone under the 25, under 25 years old. Oh yeah. They're in the greatest shape of their life. Stop. They're still kids. I mean, uh, 
Yeah, but bars haven't been open, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that they go to bars. I'm just saying that right. if you're probably going to be in the greatest shape of your life as far as non-alcohol, this is probably a good time. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> look, it, it, they're maddeningly inconsistent. Um, the talent is there. I don't think it fits together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Horford signing was a disaster. Agreed. I think Tobias Harris is a good player, but not what they think he is. Um, that being said, and obviously, you know, the head coach, if if you check out, let's say you play Miami in the first round, you end up checking out there. The head coach is going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly not, whatever. It'll, it's been seven years, and it would be time to, to give somebody else a, a, a crack at it. Um, the problem is if you do that, you're going to have a short off season. So how much change do you really want to have? Right. Um, if they get, if they get help, if they stay healthy, if you don't know what the bubble is going to do to these teams, right. You know, and what four months off is going to do to these teams. You don't know what, uh, you know, Milwaukee's not practicing right now because their, their facility has been shut down because of all this. Um, right. You know, the, you know, Gordon Hayward's talking about leaving the Celtics when his wife goes into labor and, and whether he gets re-entered into the bubble. And there's just so many different questions that I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, they should move up the five. If they don't move up the five with Oladipo not playing for Indiana, then there's a big problem. Right. And that means that you, you know, they have the weakest schedule, I think, of any team coming down the stretch here. Mm-hmm. There is no way this team should not move up the five. The question is, if you move up the five, you're going to end up with, even if you win, you end up with Milwaukee in the second round. And I don't know how good a matchup that would be. No, I agree. Um, all right. So last question before I kind of ask you some you know, personal fun ones I like asking everybody, sure. especially that you grew up in, in, in the area. Um, so the Eagles, you brought up the Eagles earlier and to, oh, the NFL in terms of the struggles they're going to have because of COVID. What were you alluding to in, in terms of that? Um, what kind of struggles do you see the NFL hitting? Well, I, I say this with the idea that the NFL will do anything for a dollar. Um, I would say the struggles are, I just, I can't believe you're going to have an offensive and defensive lineman standing, staring at each other three inches away from each other's face mask, oh, breathing right. on each other, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to get sick out of this. Nobody. Right. Um, it's not a sport meant for social distancing. None of these. I mean, the NBA and the NHL aren't either. But I've said I think the NHL was the one who actually did this the best. They did. um, Because going to Canada and and having the luxury of all the uh, the rinks and the, the testing that, you know, goes on in Edmonton and Toronto and getting out of kind of the political season here. Um, I think all that works to their benefit. And, um, but the NFL, look, the NFL is going to push ahead. I don't think college football will, but I think the NFL will definitely push ahead. Oh, uh, for sure. Like you said, anything for anything (laughs) for dollars come in. Um, (laughs) that's so terrible. All right. So some, uh, personal fun ones here. 
Okay, so I asked Jason Martinez the same question last week because he grew up in the area. He was a, he's a lifelong Flyers fan. You are a lifelong Phillies fan, correct? Yeah. I'll ignore the Cubs shirt. Well, um, <laughs> I'm wearing a Cubs shirt because <laughs> I, I, I will say I had an American League team too. Okay. I was an Oriole fan. Wow. See, I, I was a Seattle Mariners fan. So. Well, I grew up with Ripken. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was a Cal fan. I loved Eddie Murray. Memorial Stadium was awesome. Um, so I grew up – that was my connection with the Orioles at that point. Well, to this day, Camden Yards is still the nicest ballpark I've ever been to. It's good. I um, love it. I don't know why, but I just love it. It's awesome because it's downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like PNC. Mm. of the new parks um i gotta get there and wrigley and fenway are off the charts good we had actually planned on going because my wife she went to Pitt. her right. whole family lives out in pittsburgh and we were we were that's the we were planning a trip to pnc this summer and obviously that's happened because i was really upset about that um so he, here is my first question so what is your favorite moment of, as a Phillies fan growing up compared to your favorite moment being in the media? Ooh. Uh, growing up. Well, I shouldn't say it. It's the 93 Phillies. Uh, I was, I'm not sure if growing up is the right term. I was 19 years old or I was 19 going on 20 years old. You're still a kid. Um, in college. Um, I remember getting extremely jealous. I had a friend of mine who went to Allentown College, which is now DeSales University. And I was going to Temple. And I got a call one day in September from him. And he was at a, uh, he was at the lawn, I think it is, rest stop uh, on the turnpike. Him and four of his college buddies had decided to take the drive out to Pittsburgh the night of the clincher to win the National League East. And he called me. Hey, you'll never believe where I am. Like, <laughs> he didn't sound like that. I just, and I was so jealous uh, because that team was the first team I, I, you know, I was at the 440 game. A uh, bunch of us who were high school buddies at Judge, we all went to, um, we all went to the, to the doubleheader against the Padres, which they just celebrated the 27th anniversary of. Uh, the night Mitch Williams on the 440 game, but we left at 11:45, and uh, at the end of game one, and we left because well, the one guy brought his girlfriend, and um, she didn't appreciate seven hours worth of rain delays or six hours worth of rain delays and sitting in the 700 level. And uh, how dare she? Right, and yeah, there's <laughs> there was 12 of us together, like you know, boyfriends, girl, boy and girlfriends, and all that. And uh, she, this guy was the driver of the group. And uh, he, she whispered in his ear, if you ever wanted to see me naked again, uh, we're leaving. And um, he said, let's go right at that point. Happy to report they're married about 20 years now. So, okay. So that worked. That worked. He made a wise (laughs) choice. I got back, watched it on prism pissed off uh but no uh that's that season as a whole was my favorite memory um as a fan um as a reporter that you know 
this sounds strange because everybody, you know, and I'm not sure if you could see the backdrop here. I got all the stuff like from my wife has put up mm-hmm. with like the game five ticket was the thing I saw first. Yeah. Um, but it's not that. Uh, and it's not 09 either. Um, well, I remember cursing at Jimmy uh, Rollins uh, because I had my story all written in game four and then I had like four minutes to turn around and finish it. Um, when he hit the the double off of uh, off of uh, Broxton, um, my favorite is the playoff no hitter. Uh, oh, Doc! I actually have a tick. Yeah, Doc's playoff no hitter. I actually have a same type of thing. The one ticket I have it in my hallway here, and um, I have my score sheet uh, framed uh, upstairs, and uh, it is without a doubt to me. Now I wasn't. I was at the. I've seen the Millwood no hitter. I've I've covered. I've been at like four no hitters. That one is the most dominant because of the circumstance. The fact that he got kind of squeezed on a three-two pitch. Otherwise, it would have been a perfect game. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I remember walking out of the park going, "They're not just going to win the World Series. They're going to sweep through everybody." They destroyed Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely destroyed Cincinnati. And then the Gi- and they hit the Giants. To me, that's always been the bigger lost opportunity. But that night with Halliday and knowing that, you know, they crown a World Series champion every year. And you only saw one or two playoff no-hitters. That and Don Larson. It's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing, man. Um, so you saw him. Okay, so you said you saw four no-hitters. Four. You saw, so you were there for Millwood? I was there for Millwood. Were you in Wrigley for Hamels? I was not in Wrigley for Hamels. I was actually in a bar in Ocean City. I was at a bar in Cinnaminson. <laughs> with, my, with my fiance at the time going, they wouldn't send me to Chicago for the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was at Mulholland as a fan. Oh, cool. Wow. I was at Halliday and I was at Josh Beckett's. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. And Josh Beckett, and it's amazing that Josh Beckett's the only one who's never hit the Phillies over the last thirty-six, no, forty-two years. Which is incredible because man, the Phillies had some bad years. (laughs) They had some bad years. I was at a Doug Drabeck game back in nineteen ninety, where he had a perfect game going for eight and two thirds, and it got broken up by the immortal Sil Campusano. That's good stuff. And my friends all got pissed at me because I was rooting for the perfect game. Mm, at that point, you have to. Yeah, they were down like 7 nothing. Oh, you're yeah. on your team. I'm like, no, it's it, history. It's a rival. At that point, it was a division rival with the Pirates. Mm-hmm. No, I'm like, no. I'm like, it's so keep us on. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, but that's not the best event I've ever covered, by the way. None really? of them. None of them. None of them. Hmm? So, so what would it be? Nova, North Carolina, and 16 at the National oh, Championship. Oh, that's got to be on top of – so. oh, you're right. That's one of the great – I mean, that's one of the greatest, geez, sports moments in the last 50 years. I mean, the idea that they will play that every March now till the end of time. Yep, absolutely. And I, I was sitting on the first row – and I had a perfect look because I was covered in because Archie Diakono was a, a Nishamni guy. Mm-hmm. And I had grown up covering him. 
not grown up, but he had grown up and I had covered him. And what had started with a, all right, you know, I always went to the Big East tournament every year. And then the first round was in Brooklyn. They're like, oh, go to first round. And they're like, price out how much it'll be for Louisville. I'm like, nah, they're not going to send me to Louisville, you know? <laughs> you know, when I got baseball coming up and everything, you know, they're, they're going to want me. Sure enough, I ended up. I ended up having to price it out of Allentown, flying from Allentown to Philly, Philly to Charlotte, Charlotte to Louisville. I ended up covering that year, uh, that uh, regional, and then I ended up going to Houston for the Final Four. And I had a dead eye look when Jenkins ball left Jenkins' hand. I knew it was going in. Wow. I mean, I my heart sank for that last like five six seconds, and then when they when he hit that shot, I I couldn't even. At that point, it's like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It's just like I, there's no way this is reality, that this just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just, like you said, to the end of time. I mean, in my lifetime, you know, my, my daughter, who's going to be two in October, when she's 30, that's going to be on television. That's still going to be played. And, you know, I, I missed, obviously. I got let go at the Courier in 17, uh, September 17. And I, my honest to God, Chris, my first reaction to my wife was, well, at least I don't have to drive to RFK for a bad, two bad teams playing each other that weekend, mm-hmm. which was the Eagles and Redskins. Little did I know it would end up in Minneapolis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, you kind of thought, okay, maybe they're eight and eight, whatever, because RFK is the biggest, I'm sorry, not RFK, uh, uh, FedEx is the biggest. Oh, it's, it's brutal. It's awful. It is. And can't stand it. For the media, it's even worse because you're on a, you're on a low, you're behind the goalpost, and yet you're not elevated enough to where you can't see over the fans. So basically, you just see people jumping up and down, and uh, yeah, and and they serve you crappy pizza and uh, it's, <laughs> but no, um, that's the one event since I've left that I've missed. Mm. Um, I kind of would have liked to have seen what a Super Bowl would be like. Uh, but, you know, case or Yeah, right. Um, so last two here, uh, and thank you for your time. No problem. Um, so my last two here, you're the most overrated and underrated Philadelphia athlete in your lifetime. So uh, far. So far. That's a good one. But not just baseball. No, not just baseball. But okay. Tom Brown has to make your list. <laughs> um, I felt bad for Dom. Uh, um, I think he tried. It just didn't happen. Uh, you see, I have a different infer- uh, definition of overrated. Um, I think the most overrated guy. Uh, it, <sighs> Wow, uh, this is tough. Uh, I will say the most overrated guy in my mind is Donovan McNabb. Wow. Second person to say that. Um, not that Donovan was awful. He wasn't. He was good. Yeah. He wasn't game-changing. and he I think wasn't, we're, He wasn't great. Right. I think we're finding out that the head coach was really good. For sure. And the head coach propped up a lot of the mistakes. And, and granted, I, 
look, Andy didn't have a great Super Bowl against the Patriots. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even thinking back, I, I, I think back to the, Donovan's pride got in the way in that first in that first NFC title game loss at the vet or, or that NFC title game loss at the vet. Can't don't remind me. <laughs> uh, he probably should have not played. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he tried to force everything, tried to be the show. Um, I, in my mind, Donovan is the most overrated, most under uh, overrated, most underrated. Yeah, you I know, have, I have my underrated. And I'm going to ask you a question go ahead, about him. Go ahead. I want to. I want to ask. I want to. My hear. most underrated is Ryan Howard. Yeah, I, I think actually him and Jimmy don't get the credit they deserve, but that wasn't where I was going. Okay. Um, my most underrated, and it sounds it sounds strange. Actually, I want. I was thinking I could have taken back the overrated one too, because uh, I just realized somebody else. Well, Donovan's a good one. Donovan's a real good one. Uh, I'm gonna say the most underrated is Ron Hextall. Wow, that's interesting. Because I don't think people understand what he did in 87. I mean, that team was so beat up and so injured and ended up taking Edmonton to the final five minutes of game seven. And he was really good and he gave them an attitude and he was outstanding. Even in 95 and 97 when he came back. Mm-hmm. I thought he was kind of screwed by Terry Murray because he, Murray kept putting him in Gar Snow and rotating them in and out. Um, I, I, I really, and I'll, I'll admit, I'm a Ron Hextall fan. Um, and even now as a GM, I don't think he gets the credit for what this team has developed into. Mm-hmm. Um, was he a great GM? No, but he was patient. And for the Flyers, it was something totally different. And I think that's why they've seen the success they have this year. Him and Mignot, mm-hmm. well, Chuck Fletcher and Mignot are going to get a lot of credit, and rightfully so, but their farm system has developed players that allows them to go forward. Absolutely. Um, so my, my last question to you is, now – Who was your underrated? Under my underrated was – I had two. was Ryan Howard – Okay. And I think people looking back now should take a hard look at like a guy like John LeClaire. Um, I'll be honest. He, he crossed my mind for overrated. Really? Because I, I don't know if John LeClaire is the same without Eric Lindros. It's a good question. It's just that, you know, for an American born player, you know, in a, in a, a era that mid nineties where there wasn't a lot of goal scoring, he had a hundred and like a hundred and, 60 goals in three years. Sure. Yeah, he had the 350 seasons. And sat insane. But I think you're right. Lindros plays a big part of Lindros that. Lindros drew so much of the attention. Another yeah. fire that could have been on the underrated that I consider. Moore. <laughs> well, Simone Gagne. He's one of my favorites. He's the number one. I tell this to everybody all the time. I, I covered the Flyers for 12 years. The nicest athlete I have ever spoken to. The, the, the change in that series against the Bruins in 10, which, by the way, was one of the f- biggest flukes ever. <laughs> they got to the finals in 10. You know, everybody blames poor Michael Layton. They should have never been close to the finals. They no. weren't that good. No. Um, but the biggest change in that series against Boston is, is Gagne coming back for game four when he, it easily could have been him saying goodbye, 
sitting down, everything. He comes back. They they win game four. They win game five on the road because uh, Tim or uh, uh, Tuka Rass just had a brain fart. Just yeah, looked awful. Mm-hmm. And that was the game, actually, if I remember, Boucher got hurt. And then they win mm-hmm. game six because of Gagne, and then Gagne gets a game winner in game seven, and they go on. Yeah. And they, they were they were all, you know, completely oh, – that whole roster was hurt. Like, literally, like they literally could have been on crutches, that whole team. I couldn't, like you said, I couldn't believe they even got to that Eastern Conference final that year. I mean, they got, and just the draw they got. Yeah. They had Jersey team in the first round, who somehow was two, I think, because the Flyers were seven. And then you get Boston, and Boston was obviously, Boston went on and won the cup the next year. Yeah. Um, The decision to start Rask over Thomas was huge. Yeah. And then and somehow Montreal beat Montreal Pittsburgh. beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, and um, Pittsburgh they don't beat they don't beat the Penguins. No, agreed, agreed. All right, my last question to you is: Now I get a lot of heat for this too, and it's not because I don't like the guy. So Chase Utley is so beloved in this city, and <laughs> you really want me to move, don't you? So Chase Utley is so beloved in this by this fan base, and would come here. Go ahead. And I have to ask you, Ryan Howard probably was the most important piece of that era. I mean, he did things only like Babe Ruth did in a six-year period, five like a five-year period. Mm-hmm. Why is it that? Uh, and you even said about Rollins. You really aren't wanting me to answer this, are you? I I. I <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that Utley just constantly gets the nonstop affection of this fan base and everybody seems to forget about the Howards or even the Jimmy Rollinses? Well, let's be clear. Jimmy is the focal point. Mm-hmm. Jimmy was the best defender. Jimmy was the spark plug. Jimmy was an MVP. I know Ryan was too, but Jimmy was an MVP in the year they went, went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's going to the Hall of Fame. I agree. Chase was a very good player. His five-year prime is outstanding. I'm not bad-mouthing Chase Utley. Um, oh, no, I, I would never want anyone to. It, why is he beloved? Because of the there are people who thought Pete Rose was the most important part of the 1980 Phillies mm-hmm. because Pete had his helmet fly and you know the hair back and slid for, head first and Kind of it was the you know the 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 gritty gutty, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why people fell in love with Utley. Mm-hmm. And Utley was a gamer. There's no doubt Utley was a gamer. Mm-hmm. My argument's always been that's not a play cost Chase Utley the Hall of Fame. I agree with you. Uh, because of the knees, the the wear and tear, the second half of his of his career beyond. 11 or beyond 10 really he wasn't great in 11 he had the injury then mm-hmm. um was really average in a way yeah um yep. I, why i don't know it, it it fits with the personality type of the city um you know there are some people who have gone down different alleyway or uh, you know different avenues with it i'm not really wanted to go there yeah about the social socio um like the socio part of it where you know 
I, I don't know if that's the reason. I'm not that deep to yeah. understand that. Uh, I believe it just is the way that the makeup, Utley's uh, Utley's high moments <clears throat> were so defining of what the town is and what the town believes, you know, the, the, the whole Rocky and all yeah. that stuff, that that's why. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, okay? Everybody blames Ryan Howard for them losing the, t- the series to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Oh, he didn't have an RBI. Da, 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 da. Chase's numbers in that series were awful, just dreadful. They didn't hit as a group. Mm-hmm. You know who led that team in hitting that, that playoff series? Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. Okay, he took the call third strike Can't, uh, on the Brian Wilson pitch. Can't. Can't take that back. Nope. You also had doubles on, I think, two. I think I remember counting this. He had two doubles in that series, and both of them had runners on base, and the runners didn't score. Yeah. That's not on Ryan Howard. Yeah, there's – if nobody's on in front of you or nobody's able to score in front of you, the slugger can't do anything about it. Yeah. Just can't. I'm just a, a big Ryan guy, and I love that era of that Phillies. Obviously, it's, you know, of my lifetime, it's the best era yet. I just feel like whenever I talk to Philly fans about that, it's always Utley, 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 and everybody forgets everybody else. Look, look how many people around here are named Chase. Oh, no, for sure. I know. My neighbor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this is – this is – he became the symbol. Yeah. Uh, because of that style of play. He was fun. I mean, Jimmy could be maddening. Ryan could go in the slumps. I, yeah. I The entertainment value of a Howard three home run night like he did in, in 06 is, was off the charts good. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think people people never realized how much he sacrificed in terms of his career to keep playing at 11 when he could have sat down. Yeah, All those cortisone shots and everything before he snapped the Achilles, that to me is where it all went out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you see Utley Rollins Howard getting their uh, their numbers retired, even though I would hope. I mean because okay. you know the Phillies have obviously you know they have that whole thing if you don't make the Hall of Fame. Well let's let's be honest. And, and no disrespect to Roy Halliday. Roy Halliday had two great years here. Yeah. Roy Halladay is a good pitcher. He is not the best right-handed starter in the franchise's history. That would be Robin Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's certainly not the greatest pitcher in franchise history. The other three that we mentioned all are the greatest players at their positions in franchise history by a mile. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, the closest one is Rollins and Bella. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a first baseman that matches up with Howard. Howard's the second greatest slugger the franchise has had. Mm-hmm. Chase is Chase is Chase. I I would hope they would do all three together. To be bluntly honest, because I think that's would be fitting. That would be amazing. I, I don't want I, look, and I don't want them to become the Yankees, where every member of the the <laughs> the '96 through '09 <clears throat> Yankees got their number retired, like Paul O'Neill and. Yeah, Tino Martinez and all that, yeah. but those three, maybe Hamels. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I, like I wouldn't even put like the like you know one of the questions we've had. And I know I'm rambling here. Like, what do you what do you do with Lich? Lich doesn't meet the Lich doesn't meet the Hall of Fame uh, the Wall of Fame standard. Yeah, but yeah. that moment that year is arguably the best by Phillies reliever ever. You have to honor it in some way, but maybe he's not Wall of Fame. I mean, that's he's certainly not number retired. Mm-hmm. But do you put a statue of him and Chooch up in, in Ashburn Alley? Do you, you know? I think that would be that would be perfect. I think the statue would make the most sense because that moment is like that. That photo is iconic. Yeah. So I think that's perfect, actually. I mean, yeah. I mean, you have so many different guys who you're going to put. You know, they're going to Victorine is going to be a Wall of Famer. Yeah, I would think eventually, you know, Burl's already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think that Worth gets on at some point. Chooch, obviously, um, but that's where you have to start drawing the line. Like, you know, you don't want to make cheapen it. Right. No, I think those three are are givens. I think because of Hamels' like longevity in the league itself, and then the fact he was a World Series MVP, you got to do something there, and he's. I guess I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're going to retire his number. No, I don't think no, you can't retire his number. Um, but yeah, that's, in, that's interesting. We we're coming up to that time, probably in a few years. Um, um no. Cole still, Cole still playing. Oh I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cole still playing, but the other, three, I would think, I would think the other three. Yeah. Jimmy is two years away from hall of fame. Vote, first all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll yeah. get him right away, but I think he'll eventually get in. He should. Absolutely. And Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin's in, and he should, Jimmy should be in. I agree. If Harold Baines is in, then Jimmy Rollins is alive. Oh, that, hold on. That's different because that's not the Raiders Association. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It makes sense. That's cronyism. Yes. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> um, Kevin, I want to thank you, man, so much for coming on. Um, I'm Chris, anytime. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Cooney, guys, at Kevin Cooney on Twitter, uh, writes for Philly Voice and working the beat podcast what do you got coming up on that show uh well amy fadul uh is going to be on on tuesday and mike missanelli on thursday awesome can't wait and um i will surely plug that as well um i really appreciate kevin man you dealt with the the storm as it were today and uh i really appreciate this time man and hope to have you on soon i got the animals two by two so let's see how it goes so (laughs) thanks chris Okay, thank you to Kevin Cooney for battling the power outage conditions that tried its best to halt our conversation, but we uh, we grinned and bared it and had a fun conversation. Uh, so, wanted to let you guys in here on the, on the outro of this, that next week we have a doozy for y'all. Joining me next week will be the GOAT of Philadelphia Sports Broadcasting, Jim Jackson. Uh, Jim is a longtime play-by-play uh, announcer for the Philadelphia Flyers and also does play-by-play uh, for the Phillies on 94 WIP Radio. Uh, Jim has been the single most important and integral mentor uh, mentor and role model of mine since I was 18 years old uh, doing broadcasting camps in, in South Jersey. Uh, since that summer of 2005, Jim has helped me and, and has been there for man too many times that I can even mention um he's the definition of of pure class and he is the best in the biz so we are just ecstatic that uh we're going to be able to uh, carve out a little bit of time next week for for Jim uh to come on the show here uh he'll be I think we're going to be recording this Monday afternoon after the first day of the full Flyers uh training camp uh so looking forward to that conversation and bringing that uh to you 
And lastly, uh, we are adding two new podcasts to the Enterprise family. Uh, They are the Station 007 podcast and the Multiverse Movie Podcast. Uh, You guys can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts, same as this one. Uh, They are uh, hosted by a good friend of mine who I I went to school with and I've known for well over 15 years now, uh, Dean Holdsapple and his co-host and good friend George Rogers. Uh, the Station 007 podcast is tremendous if you're a big James Bond fan. Um, that's been going on for quite a while now, so maybe they'll they'll pick up um, from from before and, and, and do some new shows for you guys, obviously. And you can always check out their archives to catch up on what it's all about. Uh, big fan of that as well. Uh, their movie podcast, the Multiverse Movie Podcast, is, is fantastic. So what they do, they'll cover uh, a movie, whether it's just, you know, a Marvel or a DC uh, or any movie for that matter that they enjoy. Uh, they'll they'll give a good review of it. They'll also discuss if there's sequels planned or like any cool behind the scenes stuff that happened. Uh, you know anything you expect from a a film podcast. Uh, they do a great job, Dean and George, on on taking care of that for you. So we are very excited to bring those two boys a, a, aboard here. And uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend, and I will catch you all down the road. And any new updates coming, check out at Enterprise Sports on Instagram, and I am at ChrisDFriend18 on Instagram and uh, the Twitter. So have a good one, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.